Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Bueller, and I'm here with my co-host and twin sister, Brittany. Hey guys. Today we have a quick news update. We discuss the latest abuse allegations, this time coming from Cincinnati Gymnastics Academy. Unfortunately, it just doesn't seem to stop. We also talk about Taryn Humphrey coming out as a survivor and her request to join the lawsuit against USA Gymnastics being denied. Later in the episode, we share with you guys our top 10 favorite floor routines of all time, although it kind of ended up being closer to 20 just because we're really indecisive and we have a hard time picking favorites. But regardless, we think we have some good ones and we can't wait to share it with you guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the last week, we've gained a lot of new followers, a lot of new listeners, so if you're new here and this is your first time listening to our show, welcome. Hey, how are you? We're glad to have you with us. We hope you guys enjoy our show. So if you're not familiar with our podcast, Brittany and I started the All Things Gymnastics podcast in April. It was just something that we decided to do for fun, but it's gaining a lot more interest in the gymnastics world, and that's really exciting, but we want to continue to grow and find ways that we can can make our show more accessible. So we started to look into it a little bit and not gonna lie, it's really expensive to run a podcast. Like very expensive. Yeah, and I never realized it until I actually started researching it. And you know, Brittany and I are college students. Well, I'm still a college student. Brittany literally just graduated, but it's hard for us to fund this all on our own. And so far that's what we've been doing. We put a lot of time into the podcast. Everything that we've done has come from our own pockets. And we don't really like to ask for help. That's just the kind of people that we are. And people have been reaching out to us asking how they can help us. They ask if we have a Patreon. And we're like, no, because we just don't, you know, we're not comfortable with it or whatever. And after some consideration, we decided that we would go ahead and make a Patreon just because there are a lot of ways that we want to continue to grow the show in the future to make it more accessible for people. So we decided to go ahead with the Patreon and Brittany's going to give you guys a little bit more information on that. So we have three tiers, a bronze level, silver level, and gold level ranging from $1 a month to $5 a month. So it's pretty inexpensive, I would say. I'm the kind of person that when I'm giving my money to someone, I want to know what exactly it's going towards. That way, like, we're not just like, oh, I'm giving this to your podcast, and then we like don't ever do anything with it. We want to outline for you guys exactly what we plan on doing and where exactly the money is going to be going. So we've actually been in contact with a website designer, and her fee is roughly $500. Actually, her fee was more than that, but she's giving us a discount because she's a listener. So it's going to cost us roughly $500 to get our site up and running. Just the design of it, just like how the website looks when you log on to it. Yes, because Ashley tried doing it on her own and it was a disaster. She was getting very angry and stressed <laughs> and it just wasn't really like worth the worth the stress that she was putting on herself. I'm definitely not a website designer and I learned that over this weekend. There's going to be yearly fees to maintain the website. That is going to roughly cost around $300 a year. That's for the domain and just for the, the hosting site, the fees that you had to pay to maintain the site every single year. 
We also had some recommendations to do a transcription service, which that costs roughly $30 to $50 per episode, depending on how long the episode is. Most companies charge around a dollar per minute of audio, and our episodes run anywhere from 30 minutes to 60 minutes, sometimes a little bit more than that. So again, that kind of just depends. And also just for reimbursement of equipment that we are currently using, such as this wonderful microphone that we have here that costs around $200. So that's kind of just a breakdown of where the money will be going. As you can see, it is kind of expensive. So if you are interested in helping support the show, our bronze level tier is just $1 a month and bronze supporters will have their name listed in the show notes of each episode as a thank you for contributing to the show. Our silver level costs $3 a month, and again, you will have your name listed in the show notes, and we will also be asking silver members to contribute interview questions when we have interviews lined up with gymnasts. This is something that normally in the past we would just do on our social media. We put out like, hey, we're interviewing this person. Do you guys have any questions? But now we are going to be limiting that to our Patreon supporters. And finally, we have the gold supporter, which is $5 a month. Gold supporters will get an on-air thank you. So we will actually shout you out on the show. Which, why don't we take a moment to shout out our three gold members that we already oh, have. Yes, absolutely. Cindy M, Bree C, and Blake B. Thank you guys so much. We just launched our Patreon and we already have three gold supporters, which is so awesome. You so guys are amazing. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. A million thank yous. <laughs> Gold supporters will also get to contribute interview questions, and they also have the opportunity to commission topics for us to talk about on the show each month. It can be anything you want. If there's something that happened in the news or even just something that happened in the past and you want us to talk about it, it's all yours. Just let us know. So if you are interested in helping support our show, the link to our Patreon account will be down below in the show notes. And we just wanted to say thank you so much to all the people who have already been supporting us just over the past weekend. And to anybody who may support us in the future, we thank you so much. It is so greatly appreciated. All right, so a few things have happened within the past week, and the first thing that I want to talk about is the fact that USAG is retiring the name Junior Olympic, which is otherwise known as JOs, and they're replacing it with something called ACE, which stands for Athlete Curriculum for Excellence. It kind of sounds like a like a textbook. It, yeah, it's very odd. I'm not really sure how I feel about it, but I actually think it's a little bit ironic because I know the term ACE from being like in the mental health field, it's an acronym that stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences, which is basically like children and the traumatic things that happen to them and how those experiences follow them into adulthood and sort of shape who they are as a person. So I just think it's really like ironic <laughs> that USA Gymnastics now is having this program called ACE. <laughs> I'm like, okay. The irony. Yeah. <laughs> I personally think it sounds a little weird, but I feel like that's just because we're not used to it. As time goes on, I'm sure we'll get used to saying the ACE Championships or this ACE Gymnast. It just sounds weird right now because we're not familiar with it's it. It's going to sound weird for a while. Yeah, but I also think that I wasn't really a big fan of Junior Olympic anyways because to anyone that doesn't know the sport, I feel like it's really confusing because being a 
JO level athlete that has nothing to do with the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And to people that don't know the sport, they hear Junior Olympic and they think that it's somehow tied into the Olympics, which it's not. Right. So I remember when I was working for the newspaper at my community college, I actually interviewed two former gymnasts that they were actually from Gettert's. And they both went to the same school and I did a little story on them for the newspaper. And I had a right Junior Olympics. So at the Junior Olympic Championships and da 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 and I feel like people were really confused like they didn't know what level these girls were because yeah, like what is Junior Olympic? they hear Junior Olympic and they're like oh sick like she's an Olympic level athlete and it's like not quite but so I wasn't really a big fan of the term Junior Olympic anyways not sure that I'm a big fan of athlete curriculum for excellence I think when you say ace it sounds fine like at the ace level the ace championships yeah but maybe. can we just not talk about like what it actually stands for because <laughs> then it just sounds weird Moving on, I want to talk about something that we've been meaning to talk about here on the show and we haven't had an opportunity yet because there's been so much going on lately in the gymnastics world that we just haven't got to it. But Taryn Humphrey, who is a 2003 world champion and she was also a two-time Olympic silver medalist from the 2004 Olympics, she came forward at the beginning of this month as a survivor of Larry Nassar's abuse. She says that the abuse happened back in 2002. And also, if you're not aware, Taryn has been... um, the selection committee for the U.S. national team from 2009 to May of 2019. So she was the one that was in on the selection process for all the major international assignments. And she held that position, like I said, until May of 2019 when she was fired because of something that she posted on Facebook that a lot of people felt was a condoning abusive coaching tactics. And I think a lot of people felt that her post was a little bit tone deaf, especially given everything that's been happening in the gymnastics world lately, and especially with USA Gymnastics. Right. So it felt a little bit inappropriate for her to share, given her position within USA Gymnastics, to be sharing that at a time like this. So a lot of people weren't happy about that. And I think a lot of people have been very critical of Taryn because of that. But I think it's really important to remember that Taryn was also being manipulated by people like Steve Penny, as a lot of people were, and I don't think that she really had a lot of time to process her own experiences in the sport and her own maybe traumatic experiences from the sport, so I don't want to be too hard on her. I think that people maybe should be a little bit more forgiving towards her, given everything that's happened and now knowing that she's also a survivor of Larry Nassar's abuse, which is awful. So I do appreciate her coming forward and, you know, her bravery for speaking out. And I hope that she's able to heal and find some peace with, you know, everything that she's been through. Unfortunately, the courts did deny her request to join the lawsuit against USA Gymnastics because she missed the filing date. So... The filing date for this lawsuit was April 2019, so that was 16 months ago as of right now, and another unnamed survivor from Michigan also came forward and tried to join that suit as well, so they were both denied, so I don't think it was anything personal necessarily, I think it was just a matter of, you know, there's 16 months past the deadline, and the court kind of has to draw the line somewhere as much as it sucks, and as much as it would be nice if everyone could just be empathetic and, you know, be like, yes, like, come on and join the lawsuit. 
I think legally it just doesn't work that way. Right. And I think what's so difficult about this is that it was such a high-profile case, and there was a pretty hefty settlement involved where a lot of the survivors did get money, and I think because of that, that's why they had to have that deadline in place, because they don't want it to be where five years from now, somebody comes up and says, you know, I was a survivor of Larry Nassar and, and I want to join in on the settlement. Mm-hmm. For them, you know, in their eyes, they're thinking it's too late. Like, we set this deadline and everybody had fair notice mm-hmm. to get in on it. And if you miss the deadline, you miss the deadline. I do think it's unfortunate, but you almost have to have a boundary with mm-hmm. something like this. And that's what one of the lawyers said. That was his exact argument. He said that this was a well-publicized case. Kind of had, like, I don't want to say the attitude, but he kind of was just like, everyone knew about this. You knew about the deadline. And what's hard about it is I think not everyone processes things at the same time. So it's very likely that Taryn didn't really process the fact that she was a, you know, survivor of his abuse. So it kind of sucks from that, you know, vantage point. Well, like you said, you know, she worked for USA Gymnastics until 2019. Mm -hmm. So she was still sort of being manipulated and... Probably felt like she had a side with USA Gymnastics. Exactly. Yeah. And so she may have just recently come to terms with everything that happened to her. But unfortunately, it just too late in the mm-hmm. eyes of the court. Yeah, I really do feel for her, but I, you know, I'm I'm glad that she spoke out. I hope that helps her healing process. Sometimes just getting it out there and telling your truth can do a lot for your healing process. So I do wish her all the best. And, you know, I think we're both thankful that she came forward because this can hopefully kickstart her healing process. Lastly, I want to talk about a statement that was put out by a former elite gymnast from CGA, and that is Alexis Butler. She was an elite gymnast back in 2012, and a lot of people probably remember her from the documentary series that was put out by Flow Gymnastics. It was actually Gymnastique back back in that day, <laughs> but... A lot of people remember her as Poof, because that's what she was kind of known as in the gymnastics world, and she put out a really detailed statement about the horrible things that she endured at CGA with Mary Lee Tracy as her coach. So I want to just kind of go through that and break it down. One of the things that really blew my mind was Mary Lee told her that she had to get a straightening treatment done on her hair because Marta Caroli apparently said at a national team camp that she didn't like her curly, natural hair. She said, Marta said my gymnastics was exceptional and I had great talent, but she didn't think my natural curly hair fit the look that she wanted. Mary Lee said if I wanted to go far in elite gymnastics, I would have to get a straightening treatment on my hair. What? I know. I'm like, of all the things we've heard, this is a new one. I've never heard that. To get far in elite gymnastics, you have to have straight hair. Yeah. She said, I did what I thought would give me the best chance to make a national team and compete internationally for USA. I booked a hair appointment the next week and straightened my already natural, beautiful hair just to please Mary Lee and the national staff. So now so uh, a prerequisite to gain on the national team is having a straightening treatment done on your hair if it's naturally curly. Well, and the thing that's weird about it is, so Marta Crowley doesn't like curly hair, apparently, but like, what about Mary Larson? Or Lori Hernandez. Like, there were so many gymnasts that had curly hair. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why was Alexis and that's the kind straight of, in her hair? Yeah, and that's the kind of stuff that I just can't understand. Why, like, anybody would, like, how do you justify that? Right, like, why does it matter? It has absolutely nothing to do with her gymnastics, her ability to do gymnastics. Why does that matter? 
And the fact that Mary Lee went along with it, like, why didn't Mary Lee say, um, no? Like, stand up for her athlete? Yeah, like, I'm not gonna go make her get her hair straightened because you don't like it. Like, no. I just, I can't believe that. Another thing that she mentioned that I also couldn't believe, but I could totally kind of see it happening with Mary Lee, is she kind of sabotaged her and kind of seemed like she wanted to ruin her chances of getting a college scholarship to a big team because that was her goal. And she said one time when these college coaches were in the gym, Mary Lee made her stay on the bars doing the same skill over and over again while everyone else got to go around and do all four events and basically show everything that they could do. She was stuck on bars doing the same skill over and over again. It's like Mary Lee didn't want coaches to see her talent to see what she could do she almost wanted to paint this picture that she's a shitty gymnast and you're not gonna want her on your team and just kind of push her to the side and like don't pay any attention to her well the thing that really bothers me about it is you know these parents send their girls to these gyms and they pay a lot of money and you know mary lee is supposed to be like this top-notch coach and ultimately she's sabotaging gymnast careers Mm -hmm. And I'm not blaming, like, the parents for that. I hope that didn't, like, come across that way. I'm just saying it's ridiculous that Mary Lee has this reputation of being this great top-level coach, and you think that by going to a gym like Cincinnati, you would put yourself at a higher advantage to get into one of the top schools, especially being an elite-level gymnast at that gym. Yeah. And to have your coach be the one that's sabotaging you. Yeah, she's supposed to be in their corner. And here she is telling her that you need to lower your expectations. Basically, you're not going to get into a big school like you want and Alexis actually said that she knew her skill level was more than enough to get her into a high level college but she was manipulated to think that she wasn't worthy enough to obtain that goal I know and that makes me so sad because it's like you were an elite gymnast and at one of the top gyms in the country like Alexis may not have been a Simone Biles or a world champion or you know anything like super crazy but just to say that you're an elite gymnast you definitely have the skill level to get at any top school. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy that her coach is the one who's making her feel like she couldn't get there. Yeah. Telling she her, could have gotten Telling there. her you need to lower your expectations and also going out of her way to make sure that any college coach is not going to see what she's capable of doing when they come into the gym. Yeah. She also talked a lot about how she was training while injured. That's not something that's uncommon, unfortunately. We're hearing in a lot of the statements from around the world that training while injured is a common thread. The thing is, is she she went and told Mary Lee. She said she was afraid to, but she eventually worked up the courage to go and tell Mary Lee that she landed funny on beam and that she heard a pop. And Mary Lee told her to keep training. And it got so bad to where she couldn't even hold on to the bar anymore. Her hand was so swollen that she could barely get her fingers in the holes of her grips. That's how swollen her hand was. Oh, Clearly she should not be training, but Mary Lee is making her do it anyways and turns out her hand was broken and as she was nearing the end of the healing process however many months down the line she was told to remove her cast because she needed to start fully training again another thing she talked a lot about was her mental health and dealing with anxiety and depression and you know she didn't know it at the time but she noticed that she was kind of feeling different and she wasn't able to show emotions and that was because of what she was feeling you know her anxiety and depression and Mary Lee was bullying her and harassing her for this and we actually saw this 
on the, you know, documentary, the Beyond the Routine, where it kind of became a joke that she wasn't showing emotion and, like, gathering everyone around and being like, oh, look, she's showing emotion. Yay. Yeah, like, making a mockery out of it. Mm -hmm. I remember watching that Beyond the Routine series and being appalled, even back then, with how Alexis in particular was treated. I definitely felt like Mary Lee was picking on her, and it's not so much anything to do with the girls that we know of. Like, they were probably just going along with it because that's what the coaches were doing, and, you know, it's just kind of a part of the culture, unfortunately. But I felt so bad for Alexis. Yeah, she said her teammates would tell her, just, like, just cry, dude, so she leaves you alone. Like, you know, they're innocent kids in this situation, too. They feel horrible for their teammate, and they're just, like, trying to do whatever they can to help her not feel this way and... Not get picked on anymore. Yeah, it's, like, that's pretty sad when you... Your teammates are telling you just to cry, just so she'll leave you alone, basically. I feel like Mary Lee was just downright mean. One of the things that Alexis said was she compared it to a trash can and basically said that she could take that trash can and put it out on the floor and that it would it'd be doing more than Alexis was. Yeah. So belittling, honestly. Mm-hmm. Another thing she talked about was being scolded for eating pasta while at a wedding. She said that Mary Lee also in the gym would check everyone's lunches every day to see what they were eating. They were not allowed to have bread, any dressing or butter. And Mary Lee said that if you ate those things, you'll become a fat lard. Mary Lee would also say stuff like, if you can pinch an inch, you can lose an inch. Which is so disgusting. Mm-hmm. Because, because everybody has, like, some level of fat on their body. Even the greatest athletes in the world. Right, and it's normal to have fat on your body. Like It's healthy. Like, yeah. Like, you want that. Like, you want your athletes to be anorexic? Or to be just bones? Like, how can they perform at the highest level when they don't have anything to them except bones and skin right not being able to pinch an inch that's not healthy either so shut up mary lee (laughs) (laughs) but anyways this led to obviously being hypercritical of her body at a young age this basically caused her to have a distorted sense of self and you know she said she would pinch her thighs and constantly be worrying about gaining weight and you know especially once she hit puberty you know naturally your body's going to gain a little bit of weight Mm -hmm. and she also said that it wasn't unusual to walk into practice and be weighed that's something that we've heard from other athletes from cga in the past another thing that is ridiculous so There was a sports psychologist in the gym that she said that she would see weekly, sometimes more. And of course, they're told that this is a safe space to discuss their fears and their struggles. And this psychologist, who we believe is Allison Arnold, she went and told Mary Lee everything that was said, which basically renders her useless because what's the point of having your athletes go to a sports psychologist if they can't even talk about their fears or anything because you're going to go and turn and tell the coach. And right. Like, she totally was not, like, upholding any sort of confidentiality at all, which is really messed up. And it's like, how do you get your athletes to trust anyone mm-hmm. when they can't even speak to their their own sports psychologist without fear of retaliation? Yeah, it's ass backwards. <laughs> uh, a little note about the psychologist, Allison. So 
I actually saw on Twitter, Alyssa Beckerman said that she's not board certified and that she only has a PhD in psychology and then, of course, backing from USAG. And she actually was a JO gymnast herself. She had a full ride scholarship to University of Oregon. And she also is a peak performance consultant for USA Gymnastics, which is a position she's held since 1997. And she's also worked with a lot of other sports. She, I brought her bio online. She mentioned figure skating. Australia's ski team, 15 NCAA teams. I'm not sure which ones, but this woman, I don't think, should be a sports psychologist if she's going around telling coaches things that she should not be telling them and basically proving that the athletes cannot trust her. Yeah. And I feel like that has to be a violation of some sort, like ethically. Mm -hmm. But also, I'm not sure because she's not certified if she's not like held to the right standards. Yes, and I also think that's probably a part of the tactic, honestly, as messed up as that sounds. Yeah, it's probably just someone that somewhere down the line, she she has a connection with the gymnastics world and she probably just gets hired into positions because she's a gymnast or a former gymnast and, you know, people know her and she's recommended by other coaches and whatever and no one actually ever checked into her background or her credentials to mm-hmm. see, like, if she's, if or how she's qualified for the position. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like, you have an in and here we go. Yeah. So that definitely needs to be looked into, I think. Um, I also wanted to talk about Mary Lee telling Alexis that she had to drop down to level 10. We talked about the sabotage earlier. She was also continuing to sabotage Alexis's chances of getting onto a college team when Alexis basically expressed her plans to leave. And then Mary Lee said that she would call other gyms to tell them not to let Alexis in their elite program. And she also said that she would never get a college scholarship if she left CGA because Mary Lee had a good connection with all the college coaches and she would call them up and tell them that she did not deserve a scholarship. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, she was committed to Georgia, which was her dream school. And then that kind of like went away. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you can't help but wonder what happened there. If Mary well, Lee had anything to do with that. Yeah, it does make you wonder. So she did say that she got injured and obviously went through puberty and gained weight. And Georgia requested that she get back in, you know, proper shape. She get all her skills back, even some upgrades. And Alexis said she did all that, but still got her scholarship pulled. So yeah, it kind of makes you wonder what happened there. She did end up going to NC State and said she had a good freshman year. And then there was a coaching change. So Kim Landris, she was formerly the head coach at the University of Illinois. She was there for six seasons. And then she suddenly resigned for personal reasons. And I don't know if it ever actually is known, you know, became known why she resigned. Right. Um, I've seen some former Illinois gymnast on Twitter talking about her. So I kind of have a feeling that there's something not good happening with Kim Landris, yeah. but that's also kind of confirmed with Alexis's statement. She says that she wasn't allowed to show support for any of her former teammates or any of her friends that had come forward about abuse because it wasn't a good light to have shined on the NC State gymnastics team. When really that's ass backwards, I feel like, because I feel like when you have athletes speaking out and like supporting survivors and encouraging people to speak out, like I feel like that is a good look. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're showing any potential future recruits that... You know, if they are a survivor of abuse, like, hey, we support you. We're going to have your back. Right. I don't feel like being silent is necessarily the way to go either. Yeah, typically, like we've seen in the past with some schools, when 
a team is completely silent when big things are going on in the world, whether it be with gymnastics or just in the world in general, it's usually not a good look. Mm-hmm. We like it when people are supportive and they speak out and they, you know, care about other people, especially when it's former teammates. Yeah. She talked a lot about injuries. She said that she had a pretty bad shoulder injury. To be more specific, it was a rotator cuff, labrum, and bicep that were all torn. And she said that she wasn't specific with this, so I don't know if it was Kim or who exactly it was. She just said that NC State basically downplayed her injury and that surgery wasn't an option. Basically, her options were just rehab and then cortisone shots. Which I also think is very common because that reminds me of what Kennedy Baker said Mm -hmm. at the University of Florida, like going into her senior year, how she was having issues with her Achilles, and then... She ended up, you know, injuring herself in her senior season because they wouldn't let her fix it. They were kind of just, like, rehabbing it, trying to get her through, Mm -hmm. and then it's a backfiring. Yeah. Well, she actually went and saw a doctor on her own, and that doctor said that she needed to have surgery. So, when Kim... Landris found out about this. She was pissed, and then that kind of led to Alexis being ignored or talked to with a passive-aggressive tone, she said. And she also was told that she was not allowed to redshirt. That was not an option for her. And that basically her options were to rush back for her junior season or to just sit out and miss the season altogether. So no option to redshirt. It's basically my way or the highway. We've heard that one before. I am really glad that Alexis was able to end her career on a high note. She hit every routine during her senior year. Unfortunately, the coronavirus ruined the end of her career, just like it ruined the end to a lot of athletes' careers, but I'm happy that she had somewhat of a positive ending in the sense that she kind of went out on a high note with her routines, her her actual gymnastics. I know she was in a lot of pain and doesn't seem to have a really good experience with the sport in general, but it makes me happy to know that she at least was able to have a good season her senior year in terms of, like, the actual routines. And actually, like, accomplish some of her personal goals, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Circling back to Mary Lee, I want to point out that we heard a really similar story from Morgan White, who was a 2000 Olympian. She actually got injured and technically was not on the team, but she was originally named to the 2000 Olympic team. And we've heard from a lot of former elite athletes from Cincinnati that they've clashed with Mary Lee. Um, And I think that kind of says something. Because if you think about it, A lot of them have left and they end up coming back, but she's had a lot of athletes leave and, you know, her top athletes like Emily Gaskins left and ended up coming back. Um, Lexi Priestman, that was one that I don't think a lot of people saw coming because everyone thought she had a good relationship with Mary Lee, but she ended up leaving right before her senior debut. And Cassie Whitcomb, she was an elite gymnast, you know, back in like 2008, 2009, 2010 range. And she also left CGA after she retired from Elite and she went back to level 10 before she went to UCLA, which she ended up not even competing at UCLA because she was injured. Another common theme with gymnasts from CGA. Yeah, that's very, like, Texas Dreams vibe. (laughs) Yeah, and it's also very CGA vibe. I want to mention another athlete who came forward over the weekend, and that is Kaylee Fox. She was a level 10 from CGA, and she wrote a statement talking about an eating disorder that she developed, and Mary Lee kind of caused her to have because she made comments about her weight, and she was having her follow a really strict diet plan. And then what's funny is that when things got serious, and it was clearly, you know, obvious that something was wrong, she was basically kicked out of the gym, and Mary 
Mary Lee totally tried to shame her mom for allowing it to happen as if she wasn't the one that basically recommended this really strict diet plan and also was saying a lot of horrible things that made her, you know, develop an unhealthy relationship with her body and food in the first place. Yeah. It was kind of like a, a situation where she wasn't going to win in the end. She was damned if she did and she was damned if she didn't. Right. Another thing that I want to point out about Mary Lee is that don't forget people... She supported Larry Nassar and called him amazing during an interview with the Dayton Daily News in December of 2016. Oh, that's so gross. This was after, after 50 girls came forward with their, you know, alleged abuse and also the child pornography charges. This was after that, that she was supporting Larry and literally said that he was amazing. It's so gross. And then she was hired by USA Gymnastics to be the elite development coordinator. And the shit didn't really hit the fan with that until Allie Raisman spoke out and basically called her out on her shit. She was like, um, no. Yeah. And she's also still coaching bars for the juniors at national team camps. I didn't realize this. Oh, I I didn't either. I saw this on Twitter this morning, actually. Yeah, she's still coaching at national team camps. And not to mention, she's still coaching in general. She has Lily Lippett, who is a national team member who's still training with her so that's a little bit concerning to me i hope usa gymnastics is on top of this one and i'm hoping that they will do the right thing here without having to be pressured into doing that because that's kind of a trend with usa gymnastics you know know that ain't gonna happen i know it's a trend where the gym turnout or gymnasts have to make a fuss i guess if you will about things and then they act I think now would be a good time for them to show that they're serious about making a change and actually do something themselves without having to be pressured into doing it. So I think Mary Lee needs to be investigated. I think that... She should have been invested a long time ago. She should have. Because... Did I say invested or did I say investigated? <laughs> I don't I'm know. I'm pretty sure I just said invested. Well, they need to invest in some investigation. Yes. Because Boom. so many girls have come forward. This is not the first time we've heard about Mary Lee and the fact that she's still in a position of power within the national team even. I don't like it. Something needs to happen here. USA Gymnastics needs to act immediately. All right, let's move on to something a little bit happier. Are you ready to discuss our favorite Florentines of all time? Yes. We've been looking forward to this episode for a while now, and that's because, honestly, Flora is my favorite event. Would you Mine say? too. Okay, yeah, because yeah. there's so many great Florentines. We tried to narrow it down to just our top 10. We asked you guys to send in some of yours, so at the end, we'll kind of do some viewer opinions, but these are just our favorite Florentines, so you guys can go ahead and let us know if you agree with our picks, if you disagree with our picks. Which ones we didn't include that are your favorites yeah definitely let us know also i just want to make it clear we're just doing elite floratines we love almost every college gymnastics floratine in some way or another there's so many great ones to pick from but i feel like we'd be here for hours if we discussed all our favorite oh yeah college floratines so we're just gonna do elite today maybe we'll do college floratines in another episode but let's start with one that i think is a pretty popular opinion in the gymnastics world and that's brooklyn moores so I like almost every Florentine she's done, but I would say her most recent one from 2019 is probably my favorite. Absolutely love that routine. Her performance quality is so amazing. Worthy of an Academy Award, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, Just so good. Yeah, what I really like about Brooklyn is how she emotes in her routine. It's almost like she's telling a story. I don't quite know what the story is of her routine, but I feel like there's a story that she is telling. You know, I've watched her routine and tried to figure out, like, what the story is here. I I wonder. She has 
has to have a story in her routine. Yeah, someone's probably asked her down the line somewhere too. She's just so passionate, and you can see like a range of emotions on her face, and I think that's incredible. I think that's really hard to do. When you're watching her, you almost forget that you're watching a Florentine. It feels like you're watching... Uh, an actual dance, like a contemporary mm-hmm. dance. Yeah. And what's incredible, too, is that she does it like that every single time. Mm-hmm. You can literally look up any Florentine of hers on YouTube, and she always performs so, so well. Honestly, it must run in the family, because her sister, Victoria Moores, was an elite prior, and she also had great Florentines year after year. Mm-hmm. Victoria's style was a little bit more, like, spunky and upbeat, I would say, mm-hmm. whereas Brooklyn is more contemporary, but... Yeah, they both always had great Florentines, so I think this one, I would say, is probably my favorite for Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. The music is a little anticlimactic. Do you feel that? Yeah, I kind of get, like, elevator vibes. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, she makes it work. She does. She does make it work. And... And honestly, I'm not a fan, usually. I, I don't typically gravitate towards the slower routines, but I like this one. I like it a lot. And it's one that I find myself frequently going back and watching. Like, do, does anyone else do that when they're bored? They just go to YouTube and type in, like, random routines? Because I know me and Brittany do that all the time. Yes. But Brooklyn is one that I find myself watching very frequently. Another routine that's a fan favorite is Dominic Musciano's 1996 Devil Went Down to Georgia floor routine. Yes, I love this routine. That routine is like a classic. Like, you can't be a gymnastics fan and not have watched that routine and not love that routine, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And it's not even so much that the choreography was anything special. I think it was just the moment being the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta in front of the American crowd and it's in Georgia and her music is Devil Went Down to Georgia. I think that's what makes that routine so special, honestly. Yeah, an iconic moment, and it was just so well-crafted. Whoever choreographed that, I think it was Geza Pozar. I believe so, yeah. Very well done to have that, you know, with the Olympics being in Georgia, knowing that that was going to get the crowd hyped up. And it did, it worked. When you mm-hmm. watch that routine, it's like the crowd absolutely ate it up, so. Oh, I get chills every time I watch it. Me too. It's such a fun routine, a cute routine. You know, Dominique was always kind of known as, like, the youngest one on the team. She was kind of the cute one. Yeah, because she was, like, so young and she's little. And some of the moves, I guess, in the routine are a little bit cheesy. But, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I like it. And I think it fit, like, her personality and, like, the role on the team that she played of being, like, the young, youthful star of the games. Mm -hmm. Although, was she the star of the games? Because you could argue that Carrie Strug was, but... I think she was kind of (laughs) supposed to be the star of the games. The games. In my heart, Dominic Musciano was the star of the 1996 Olympic Games. Especially with that Florentine. <laughs> I don't think it would be fair to talk about our favorite Florentines and not mention Loya Hernandez. So I kind of went back and forth between her 2013 Florentine and her 2016 Florentine, which is obviously the one she did at the Olympics. I feel like her 2016 one is a little bit more tame, I guess, if you will. Honestly, yeah, I feel that. (laughs) She went hard in 2013. She did. She did not have to do that, but she did. I remember, so me and you were at Classics in 2013, and I remember getting chills just watching her. And it was just because she was going so hard with the dance that it gave me chills. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, it's not like the routine was, like, inspiring or in any way. It was just it was just how hard she was going with the dance. I was like, whoa, this girl's good. Well, and I think we it's not common to see somebody, especially, I feel like, in the United States, put that much effort and energy into the dance. I think, like, around the world, you see people who are really good at it. But, like, the United States has never been that great with, like choreography and then like selling the routine Mm -hmm. and like putting it all together yeah if you know what i mean 
So Lori, I feel like, was one of the first gymnasts to actually be able to do that. Yeah, she has sass and flair. Her routines are fun and upbeat. The crowd gets into it. And she makes you look. If you look at any video of her on YouTube and you look at the people in the audience, everyone's eyes are on her. Even the gymnasts in the background. It's like everyone stops when Lori goes on floor. And they're usually all smiling, which I think is, that means she's doing her job. You know, I think Maggie Haney got a lot of credit for Lori's floor routines. And, you know, some people would talk about, like, the style of MGLE and their choreography. But here's the thing. I don't think Maggie Haney was that good at choreography. I think that she has different choreography and it's unique in some way. But I think Lori selling it the way that she did is what made people, like, look and what that's what caught people's attention it wasn't so much that maggie was a great choreographer that's true because i think that when you actually like break the routine down you look at the moves it's kind of i don't know there's a bunch of words you could use to describe it some people might say it's kind of weird some jerky movements But it's exactly what you said. It's the way that Lori sells it. She's confident with the way she's performing. She's confident with the routine. And she goes all out. And that's what makes it great. Plus, she is naturally a pretty good dancer. Oh, yeah. So she can make it work. She pulls it off. But if you give that same choreography to somebody else, the routine would not look the same. But that's what I feel like Maggie did with the MG Elite girls. Like, Mm -hmm. Jasmine Foberg. The floor routines with her, like, never really, like, stuck with me. Um, Same with Olivia Greaves. Super it was like, forced. yeah, it just didn't work. It was, mm-hmm. it seemed like she was trying to put this style that worked for Lori onto her other gymnast. Lori was able to do it, but that's because she went all out. She was confident. She had fun with it. And obviously she's a great dancer. <laughs> Catherine Lyons is another one that had two floor routines that I really liked. So I liked her 2013 floor routine and also her 2015 routine. Mm-hmm. I think I liked her 2015 one a little bit more if I had to pick. Yeah. She, you know, she really reminds me of Brooklyn Moore's. Their style is really similar. They have kind of a contemporary style routine. They're both very expressive. And it's not the most flashy routine, but it's stunning. The way she performs, the way she moves just naturally. She has a very elegant look to her. So Mm -hmm. another routine that really just draws you in. Again, it's not the most exciting thing out there, but it's almost mesmerizing is a yeah. good way to describe it. And I think that we don't give enough credit to gymnasts who perform the way gymnasts like Brooklyn and Catherine do mm-hmm. or did. Yeah, um, a lot of gymnasts are so focused on the tumbling that they forget about the dance. And it's not just about step pose, step pose, do what you got to do to move to the next corner, but it's actually a performance. And you can tell they put so much emphasis on that. It's almost a part of their training Yeah, to, you know, come up with a routine that not only fits them, but that they feel passionate about and they can perform well. And it really translates when they're out on the competition floor performing the routine for everyone to see. And it's not easy to move the way that Catherine does. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's doing like spins and jumps and stuff with her flexibility Mm -hmm. that really makes her stand out and sets her apart from the other competitors. Morgan Hurd's floor routine from 2018 is another one that I personally really, really like. I remember watching it for the first time ever when she did it at Classics in 2018. I actually remember watching a video from Podium Training, and I just fell in love. 
I'm not sure what it is about the routine that I like so much, but I just remember watching it and falling in love. I was like, yes, girl, get it. She gets so into it in her own way. It's it's a different kind of performance than like Brooklyn or Catherine that we already talked about. For me, it's like the sheer determination. You can literally see it in her face. Yeah. <laughs> With each move, she hits each beat. She has great musicality. It's really intense. I think that's what I like about it, the Mm -hmm. intensity. Yeah, I think that Morgan does a really good job with, like, she has all these little nuances in her routine, and you almost have to wash her routine through a couple times to pick up on all of it, which I think is kind of cool. You know, I think that her music is what I like because it builds all the way up until the very end, the very last pass. Mm -hmm. It, It makes you, like... It keeps you, it drags you along, like, you, you can't leave. Like, yeah. You keep watching it. And the finish is, like, so, I mean, I, I'm over here, like, wanting to, dun, 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 It just, like, goes, like, perfect. Yeah. And the way she, like, finishes, and she's looking, and it's like, yes, go get your gold medal. <laughs> That's, like, totally the type of moment that it is. I also want to say, Morgan is another one of those athletes that has never had a bad Florentine. Like, find me a bad Morgan Hurd Florentine, I'll wait. Oh, you can. Yeah, they're all good. And I know we both love her ending from 2017. Yeah, she needs to bring that back. I know. When she took it out, I was like, that was the best part of the routine. Come on. If you don't know what we're talking about, let me try and explain it. <laughs> so she like drops down to her knees and then she almost kind of does like a cartwheel like on her elbows. Yeah. Like going forward, but she does like two of them and then she finishes like in this. Oh gosh, I'm terrible at <laughs> describing things, but like she has her legs like crossed and she has like a nice little arch she's, going. And she's like balancing on her elbows and yeah, it's just it flows so nicely. Well, let's not act like most gymnastics fans know what we're talking about right now, so you guys know, but love it and I wish you would bring it back. Another thing I wish you would bring back is her floor music from 2014. The Nastia Cup, that was the first time we saw her, at least on TV. So that was kind of when gymnastics fans took notice of Morgan Hurd for the first time. That was another really fun routine. And I really would like for her to bring that back, that music. I think it would be fun. Our dog just made a <laughs> weird noise. Don't mind. Our dog is just, like, choking behind us. You okay, baby? <laughs> He's good. But, yeah, I love all of Morgan's floor routines. And I do think 2018 is probably my favorite, but... Mm-hmm. Um, either way, I'm really excited to see what she brings for 2021. A lot of people were suggesting her routine from 2014 and having it be like a full circle evolution thing. Like, this is when you guys first knew me and then here I am now at the Olympics. I want some gymnasts. I guess I don't care who it is. I want some gymnasts, some gymnasts at some point to bring back the routine that they had when they first started their elite journey and then end with it. And a lot of juniors, I feel like their routines are kind of cheesy and then they get better as they go on. But Morgan had a good routine from the start. Yeah. So I'm like, this would be a good one for you to take with you to Tokyo in 2021. Let's go. <laughs> Morgan, if you're hearing this... You you know what to do, girl. If you had a plan already for 2021, scratch it. Go with your 2014 Florentine, please. <laughs> Let's talk about another fan favorite and Miss Flavia Sriva. I love all of her Florentines. She's another one that has always had good Florentines, but her 2019 one in particular really stands out to me. I think that she's obviously very fun to watch and she's super charismatic on floor. Her smile lights up the room. She makes eye contact. She knows exactly where the cameras are at. Yeah, she really connects with the crowd, brings them in. She always has a routine that the audience can get into and clap along with. In 2019, she had the can-can, which was pretty fun. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those routines that everyone can clap along to, which who doesn't love that? And yeah, she's just a great performer. 
I personally, see, you say 2019. I personally would say 2016 for her is my favorite routine. Um, But that might be a little bit of what we said with Dominique Mosciano. It might have just been kind of like the moment that I liked most (laughs) because the Olympics were in Brazil. It was a hometown Olympics for her. And I just loved the routine. It was so fun. so cute. You can tell the audience loved it. And... To me, in my dreams, that routine is what wins Flavia the all-around Olympic gold medal. She's the last performer to go with that routine. The crowd goes wild, and she wins the Olympics. I Yeah, <laughs> I would love that. And I think that even for her to get a medal at a world championships or on floor, like, girlfriend needs a medal on floor because she's that good. She's a nice combination of, like, being powerful, but then also being, like, poised. And I don't know. She has a really nice quality movement to her that not a lot of gymnasts have. So, Svenlana Hokina's floor routine from 2000 is another routine that you and I both really like. Not gonna lie, I was a little bit hesitant to put her on the list just because she said some really ignorant things in the past, and I do not like how she was trying to discredit the survivors of Larry Nassar's abuse. Totally not cool with that, but if we're gonna put that aside and only focus on her floor routine, then this one is definitely on the list of one of our favorites, I would say. Like the music, like how the dance matches the music. Yeah, I think it's a good piece. Yeah, it really is a good use of the music. And I want somebody to use this music again. I know Madison Koshin did it in 2014. 2015. No, it was 2014. You want to bet? I literally looked it up before we recorded this. Do you want to (laughs) go? Do you want me to look it up right now? Hold on. Let me... Let's look it up right now. I'm telling you it's 2014. Oh my God, I think she's right. Told you. I looked it up. Okay, but 2015 Podium Training World Championships. Hold on. She did. Ha, we're both right. <laughs> okay, but the routine came out in 2014. Okay, fine. But I'm not wrong because it was she did do it at Worlds in 2015. Right, I got... Okay, fine. Yeah, sorry. I'll calm down. <laughs> um... Anyways, that routine, I feel like, didn't really live up to the music and, like, all... I feel like there was more that Madison could have done with that routine. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of people in the gym tonight felt that way, too. Like, if you look at the comments on those videos, it's everyone being like, this is Spilata's music and blah, 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 blah. And I feel like that's such, like, an epic piece of music that you have to do something epic that goes with it. Yeah, and once somebody already does it... And they do it well, and it's kind of more of an iconic gymnast. The routine is viewed as iconic. I feel like it just kind of becomes their music. So if you're going to use that music, it's like you got to do it really well. It kind of reminds me of Jordan Weaver. Like a lot of people after the 2012 Olympics were using Jordan Weaver's floor music, and even Lori Hernandez. A lot of people have used Lori Hernandez's floor music, and it's just like if you can't perform it to that level, then you can't use the music. Yeah. Svalana was a very dramatic person, but she was also a very dramatic performer. I like the very ending, how she blows a kiss. Like, I don't know. I feel like that's a very Svetlana thing to do, but it did make me smile when I saw it. So for that reason, I think that that routine is probably in my top 10 favorites. Next on the list, we have Sabrina Vega. I really enjoyed her 2011. I also think she used it in 2012, mm-hmm. her floor routine. She is really great with musicality. She's another one of those gymnasts that hits all the beats. She was super sharp in her movements, very precise, very intentional with what she was doing. Yeah. I also think her routine really stood out just because during that time, so the whole 2012 quad... This was, like, a time where I feel like every gymnast on the national team had a Florentine choreograph by Dominic Zito. Oh, I know. (laughs) And they all kind of looked the same. And 
Her routine just stood out. It looked different than everyone else's. Her music was really different, something you've never heard before. And I just appreciated her music, the way she connected with the music. And you can tell she loves to dance. Oh, yeah. I, you could tell that she, like, she doesn't have a dance background, but you can just tell it's something that came naturally to her. Mm-hmm. I also want to say that I like her ending pose in this routine. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like a contortionist pose, maybe, I would say. So, really cool. I really appreciate her routine. So next up on the list, we have Senia Afanasieva, and this is another one where we were kind of going back and forth trying to decide which routine of hers we like best, because we kind of like them all. So we were discussing 2011, 2012, and 2015, those ones we really, really like, and I think if we had to pick, we're going to go with 2012 as our favorite of all of those, yeah. but I, I really do have to say I do like all of her floor teens. I think what stands out for me the most with her is her music is always really interesting, really yeah. different. It kind of just draws you in, and it's just different than what you hear from anyone else. Yeah, it's super unique. Her music is like, you'll be like watching the me, and then you'll hear her music, and you have to turn your head and look, because it's like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And, it, you, <laughs> and you remember it, too. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of routine where if you didn't know who she was for some reason when you were watching this meet or whatever, you'd go home and you'd remember that girl with that floor music. <laughs> yeah. Her 2015 routine had vocals in it, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a lot of routines have vocals, so when a gymnast does that, it makes it stand out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I also just want to say about her performance, I like that she has a little bit of attitude and a little bit of sass. She also has grace, so she's able to combine a sassy attitude routine with grace, so it's an interesting combination, but I'm all for it. Her attitude turns are to die for, by the way. I know. Like, I could, like, just watch it in a loop all day long. That's how I'm pretty sure is. someone did that. I don't know who, but it was one of those things. It was on Twitter or Tumblr at some point. It was just, like, a nonstop, like, a moving picture of her doing her turns, so. That's awesome. I agree with you, though. Very, very beautiful. Last but not least on our list is Ithora, Ithora's idea from the Netherlands. Her routine from 2015 was really theatrical and almost like whimsical. Mm-hmm. I think that she's always been one of the most artistic gymnasts of, you know, right now, this time. Yep. She does a really great job of portraying a character. Yeah. She's always had such a strong emphasis on portraying a character in her routine and getting into it with the facial expressions. And yeah, her facial expressions are like A1. Yeah, she really is something special, and I appreciate everything that she does on floor so, so much. There's not many people that can perform her floor team like she does, so major props to her. Another gymnast with so many amazing floor teams to choose from, but... Her 2015 one is really something that stuck out to me in my mind. That was the routine that made me fall in love with her. So I think she was a uh, princess, if I remember correctly. Um, She said that she was like a princess and she went through like mood swings. She was like sad and then she was like laughing and like trying to get revenge, which you can kind of see that when you watch the routine. Like it looks like she's laughing at some parts and then she looks sad at some parts. You can really like get that picture from her routine, which is pretty special, I would say because that's a really hard thing to do while you're doing gymnastics. Mm -hmm. She also had a lot of time to dance in her routine because she only did two passes. Yeah, I was just going to say, 
not as much gymnastics in the routine as you would see from someone like Simone Biles, but I think she plays to her strong suits, and that's focusing on the artistic side of it and also the dance element. So you see a lot of turns, just like with all the Dutch gymnasts, really. They focus on the turns and the leaps, and they're not as strong in the tumbling department, but that does not take away from how amazing the routines are, especially on floor. In our last episode, we asked you guys to weigh in with some of your favorite floor routines, and we had two responses, so we wanted to share those real quick. Um, The first one comes from Carla on Instagram. She reached out to say that her favorite floor routine is from Riley McCusker. She liked both her 2017 and 2018, not 28. (laughs) 2017 and 2018 floor routines. Carla is a dancer and she says that she thinks Riley has amazing artistry and that her choreography is amazing and she could totally see her being a contemporary dancer. So I feel like I could see that too. Riley has nice lines. I don't think that the choreography that Maggie Haney gave her always did her justice. I feel like she's capable of doing a lot better, I guess. So I'm kind of curious to see what her floor routine is going to be like now that she's at Arizona Sunrise Mm -hmm. and there's different like she posted on Inside Gymnastics when she did the takeover for their Instagram account. She gave us a little sneak peek of her ending pose, which was really cool. So, but it probably didn't give away that much of what the routine's actually going to be like. I really am curious to see. I personally like Riley's 2019 Florentine the best if I had to pick one of all her routines. Yeah, but me too. Thank you, Carla, for reaching out and sharing your opinion with us. We got an email from Josephine. She's also at Ring Leaps on Twitter, and she shared a few routines. So I'm going to go ahead and read through who she has in her tops. She has Claudia Fragapane. She likes her 2014 through 2016 routines. Um, she described them as like breakdance routines, which I could totally see because in 2014, she did like, actually, no, I think she did it in all her routines. That yeah, really it was like backspin. It was kind of her signature move. Yeah. So I love that. And then she said her post Strictly, which it's Strictly Come Dancing. It's kind of like the Dancing with the Stars version, um, but that's in Great Britain. So she said her post Strictly routines were really different and exciting for the audience overall. She also has Jessica and Jennifer Gatarova's routines. Their musicality is amazing and the dance just works so well. And I can imagine them doing really well in college, praying that they commit somewhere. That would be amazing. I've seen people talk about them going to UCLA. Yeah. Which, if you want to see an amazing Florida team from them, I feel like UCLA is the place for them to go. Oh, yeah. She has Gracie Kramer as number three, and she said that her performance and storytelling is amazing, which I definitely agree with. Gracie Kramer is one of my all-time favorite performers on floor, and if we were including college gymnasts in our top list here, Gracie definitely would have been on it. Oh, for sure. Then she has some honorable mentions. So she has Roxana Popa, Brooklyn Moores, Athora, so we had her as well, Angie Sebra. Chloe Lashbrook. <laughs> Chloe. Chloe Lashbrook. I did not say that with confidence. <laughs> and then she said, to be honest, I could put every UCLA routine in here. And I agree with that. Same girl, same. Thank you so much for reaching out and sharing your picks with us. And if you guys are listening to this right now and you want to go ahead and share what your favorite teens are, you can go ahead and send us an email at allthingsgympod at gmail.com or you can message us on Twitter or Instagram at allthingsgympod. 
that's it for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're not exactly sure what we're going to do for next week. We have a couple ideas in the works. One of them being, well, it's not an idea. It's going to happen at some point. We have an interview <laughs> lined up with Shailise Jones. We're just trying to work out a date and time that we can actually do it. So that is upcoming. If that doesn't happen by next week, we're thinking of also doing an episode where we just talk about our experience as gymnastics fans, some of the experiences we've had. And we thought that was maybe a good idea because we have a lot of new listeners so you guys can get to know us a little bit better so you can look forward to that as well yeah and if you guys have any questions about us as people what we do when we're not podcasting you know anything about our experience as a gym fan you can go ahead and send us any questions to our email it's allthingsgympod at gmail.com or you can message us on twitter or instagram we're also at allthingsgympod We hope you guys have an amazing week. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.